Welcome back to the Galveston Experience Podcast, working our way up to episode number 109 as we are into what I think is some of the best weather on the island and uh, this weekend and uh, really the rest of October looks like it's going to be spectacular. And of course, Halloween is just around the corner and Radio Galveston is doing something kind of cool for Halloween. So there's a lot of uh, talk about haunted houses and ghosts and spirits and paranormal. And if you've ever wanted to spend the night in a haunted house, here's your chance. Radio Galveston's got a spooky song scramble uh, the week before Halloween starting on the 26th. And just every day they'll play a little snippet of a song. You identify it for that day. There's a daily winner and then whoever identifies all of them at the end of the week wins the grand prize, which is an overnight stay in a haunted house. But there's a lot of other stuff. Uh, In fact, everybody who enters, whether you win or not, whether there's even a correct answer, is eligible to win some of the 13 ghost hunts that are going to be happening. Also, there's a bunch of cool items in there from the Sugar Skull Shop on Seawall. We've also got uh, some Surrey and bike or scooter rentals from the Saltwater Gift Shop and lots of cool stuff. You get all the details online at RadioGalveston.com. Lots happening on the island, including Artoberfest. want to remind you that that's virtual this year. And really, anytime you want to find out what's going on on the island, just check out that Galveston.vip app. You'll find the link to that on the website here at RadioGalveston.com. Of course, Radio Galveston produces the Galveston Experience podcast every week. And this time around, we're getting the scuttlebutt on the VFW with Mike Dudas. Unfortunately, when all the bars closed down, that also impacted the VFW. VFW, as we all know, is veterans of foreign wars. And uh, these are very usually very successful community-oriented organizations. And they have been struggling, just like everybody else, uh, even more so though because they not only were closed down but uh, during this time they also had their air conditioning units go out and they're uh, conducting a fundraiser for that now so if you think you can help or you know somebody that can help you know please point them in the direction of the vfw which we're going to hear all about right now as we get the scuttlebutt from mike dudas i am mike dudas and my guest on this edition of the podcast is dean grocock who will give us all the scuttlebutt on the local vfw post 880 welcome to the podcast dean thank you very much sir I am so excited to have this conversation because I, probably like a lot of the listeners, have heard about local VFW posts, but not quite sure exactly what you all do. And I know you all do a lot of different things. But before we kind of establish that and talk about some of your current needs at your local VFW post 880 here in Galveston, let's talk a little bit about Dean Grocock, the man. So tell us about your service to the country. Uh, I enlisted on delayed entry when I was in high school and 1976, then I went on active duty to boot camp in uh, September 1977. So what does delayed enlistment mean? Uh, I was only 17 and still in high school when I when I joined. And what delayed entry means that uh, you go in the Navy uh, inactive reserve unit until you actually go on active duty. So I signed up beforehand uh, so I can get you know, the position I wanted, and so I went on delayed delayed entry for 10 months, uh, and then when I my time came up to go to boot camp, then I went after active duty. Did you always want to get into the military, serve the country? What, what brought you first down that path? Didn't see any way to go to college, so I wanted to see the world, and I wanted to uh, get the old GI Bill that was getting ready to go out, 
in two months. That's why I did the delayed entry. Uh, so I go to college when I got out. And so I signed up for a six-year contract for, uh, to repair computers. And then I ended up extending that for another year. So I did seven years total active time and then the, the 10 months in delayed entry. So you went through boot camp and then you um, got into the computer aspect. So when did you actually like start going on uh, ships and um, facing maybe possible battle type situations? In uh, April of 1979, uh, I finished a year and a half of computer schools. And then I ended up going to uh, my first destroyer, which is USS Robinson out of San Diego. My ship was actually in the Indian Ocean already, so I had to fly across to uh, the Philippines, then take a plane to Diego Garcia, and then took a mail plane to the carrier, and then took a helicopter from the carrier to my ship, and they lowered, lowered me down on my ship on a wire to the fantail of my first destroyer. And all this is a... 19 year old kid who you know never never seen the ocean before so how did that feel can remembering back how did that feel it was great i mean i had a, I had a great time I was, I was i'm six foot six so i'm looking out the helicopter the crewman says oh he doesn't need the wire he can just jump and about that time the pilot swings the helicopter out and i look down and i see the the screws churning up all that water behind the ship and i go hand me that wire i <laughs> So they hung me the wire and they lowered me down and a guy grabbed my legs with some grappling hook and pulled me in and, and shoved me to a, a hatch so I could go take my life vest off. And and then the ship took off after they lowered, there's three other people coming off to my ship. So I lowered them down and my ship took off with all my clothes. And I was stuck in my winter dress uniform for four days before I got my clothes back. By the time I could change clothes, I could stand that uniform up in the corner all by itself. What was your most memorable part of uh, your service? Oh, there's a lot of them. Uh, in those, I was on a ship out of San Diego. I made two deployments there, like the first one I told you about. Then the second one we rescued uh, almost 300 Vietnamese boat people in 1980, and that was quite a deal. There's 262 on one boat, and I went to a reunion with them in 2012, 32 years later. And that was just remarkable of the lives that we saved and, and, and what they turned around and did. And a lot of them went in the service. A lot of their kids went in the service. Uh, I remember one guy went in the service for, for 25 years and then he got out and he was, and he went back in the, and he went in the police force. So, we, you know, we saved those 262 people and it was just remarkable. I mean, and, and they were so, Thankful. I, I still have a lot of them, a lot of them on Facebook friends. Earlier, you said you've been through the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal. Uh, just out of interest, how are the those two canals different? Uh, well, the, the Suez Canal, uh, the water level on both sides of the canal are pretty much the same. So it was, it was just going through a giant ditch in the middle of the desert. So there's sand on each side, and just a a big ditch that we went through. Now the Panama Canal, I think there's something like a 60 foot height difference between the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean. So we had to go through what was called locks. So we go in the lock and then they fill it with water and raise it up. 
to the next lock, then we go into that, then it raises up some more, and go to the next one and raises up some more. And then when we're coming back through, they have a lower style. That took quite a bit longer, and it was a totally different experience. So it just sailing the whole way. We, we would sail, you know, the length of the ship, and then they close off the lock and and either fill it with water or let water out. So we go into the next lock. You talked about going to computer school. So how, how, describe to us um, going through computer training back in the late seventies and early eighties compared to what it is right now. Well, our computer had what's called core memory, which uh, it was actually a little magnetic donut and had three wires going through it, an X wire, a Y wire, and a sensor wire. And the chain and and each of those core magnetic donuts was just one bit of data. Is either one or zero. So when you would you change electric one way or the other, it would go from a one or a zero, and the sensor line would pick it up. And we had a computer that was probably 10 foot long and four foot high and about two foot deep. And it had 756 kilobytes of data, of memory, of 32 inch, 32 bit memory. You could even get one picture. Your wristwatch has got 100 times, 1,000 times more memory on it than our big computer did that ran the ship. Let's fast forward now to in Galveston, Texas, at the local VFW Post 880. Tell us exactly what is the local post and um, what you all primarily do there. Well, VFW stands for Veterans of Foreign War. So all of our members here have actually been in a war zone. Uh, unlike the American Legion, American Legion, you could either have been in a war zone or just been a veteran. Uh, to join the American Legion, but to join the VFW, you have actually had to have been in a war zone. So that's where VFW, or Veterans of Foreign War, comes from. And it was started in, I think, 1899, so it's about 120 years old. And our post here was started in 1927, uh, so we just turned 93. And the name of our post is Raymond C. Paul, and it was named after first person who died in World War One that was from Galveston. Okay, so where is the local post located? We're lo- located on 24th Street and Avenue K right on the corner. You can't miss it. It's a big blue building, on, and on the Avenue K side, we got a, a mural painted with a, a soldier saluting the flag and, a, and an eagle flying on it, and we're right across the street from Texas First Bank, and we're open... Uh, Monday through Saturday from 2 o'clock till whenever. We can stay open till 2 if we have enough people in here, but generally we're closed by 10 o'clock. And on every Tuesday, every Tuesday night we have our famous hamburger night. Uh, we serve one third pound hamburgers for $4 and fries for 2 bucks. And then every Friday night we have a steak night. And you get a one pound steak with a large baked potato and salad and dessert for anywhere from 15 to $18, depending on how much the steaks cost us that week. And most people end up taking a taking half their steak home with them. It's so big. And then our canteen, which is, canteen is another word for bar. Uh, like I said, we're open Monday through Saturday from 2 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And, and if we have something going on or a lot of people in here, we can stay open until 2 o'clock. We also have a, a hall that we rent out to. We have a 2,400 square foot hall that we rent out, uh, probably about the cheapest on the island for renting that size of a hall out. So 
So if you have a function going on, just give us a call. We can talk to you about that. Before the coronavirus hit and, and we got closed down on St. Patrick's Day in March, we had a lot of money in the bank. I mean, more than we've had for several years. And we ended up, we were closed for two months that time and we got open for three weeks and we really weren't doing anything because no one was getting out. And then uh, we got closed again in June when the government closed all the, all the bars up again. And we were considered a bar with a 51% license. And we just got opened up the, like September 26th. We had a, we ended up getting a food and beverage license, so we were actually like a, a, a restaurant, so we could open up. So now it was legal to have a hamburger and a beer, but it wasn't before, even though we were serving hamburgers then. And actually, Mays Middleton helped us with that. He he paid for that uh, $776 fee out of his own pocket and got us back open. And then three weeks later, the governor gave the go-ahead to open up all the bars. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but during that time that we were closed, uh, we ran through all, pretty much all the money we had in the bank just to pay our normal bills, just to keep open. And we had, we'd cut back on a lot of things, but we ran through all that money. But during that time that we were, we were closed, our ACs went out. We have four units here, and two of them probably weren't working before. I'm not sure. And then one for the canteen completely went out, and then the one for the hall was running, and now it's... Since it's been carrying the load, it went out. Uh, so we're trying to raise money for that. We have a GoFundMe account, which you can go to our VFW website, which is vfwgallison.org, and click the link to donate through the GoFundMe. And also, uh, Daryl's place in Santa Fe, on FM 1764 and Avenue A, uh, they always do a fundraiser for twice a year for different organizations, and they contacted us about doing a fundraiser over there so uh, he's going to do one for us on November 14th uh, barbecue and then Katie Seafood is going to da- is donating shrimp to that and then we're going to have silent auctions uh, Daryl has a bunch of things that he's going to do silent, you know, for silent auction and our, everyone on our posts are getting together items to put in a silent auction to raise some money for that and hopefully we'll raise enough for that they see you know, so if we do, we'll take that GoFundMe page down. And actually, we got a $1,000 donation from uh, Razor's Edge. It's also called T's uh, Barbershop here in Galveston, which he came up on Burger Night and just handed us that donation. So we're very happy for that. And we have a Facebook page. I can just uh, go to Facebook and look VFW Galveston on there. And we also have a website. And the address for that is vfwgalveston.org. And we'll have all the data for that uh, probably by Monday after I finalize everything with, with Daryl over for, at Daryl's place. Uh, but the, the money that we make in the canteen and the, and the burger night and the steak night is generally what we end up paying our bills for then we put money in for you know we put money into funds for scholarships uh for that and um uh, that usually keeps the post going on but we can probably get a little bit saved out of that at the end of the month to go towards acs but not enough to it would take us two years at this rate 
to uh, make enough money to replace all these ACs, we need to do that ASAP. My guest on this edition of the podcast has been Dean Grocock, who is with the local VFW Post 880 in Galveston. If you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast and give us all the scuttlebutt on your business or organization, drop us a line right here at RadioGalveston.com. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Dean, for joining us. And hopefully everybody checks out those fundraisers so we can get the AC back on over at the VFW in Galveston. So much happening around the island this weekend. It's Bike Around the Bay. Artist Boat has got their kayak, the Coastal Heritage Preserve. Lemonade Day on Saturday. There's also the... uh, Bucket Brigade Beach Tours at several locations. Harborside Express has got their train rides at the Realm Raid Museum. Bishop's Palace is having their basement to attic tour. Hurricane Hal's famous hurricane and tree carving tour is at noon every day. We've also got the Galveston Historic Bus Tours, and it's that time of year for the Ghost Bus Tours. Or maybe get your whole group together and take a private custom tour from the Galveston Experience Company. So you'll find details on all those events and much, much more, including a lot of the live music happening on the island at the Galveston.VIP app. Just search Galveston in your Google or Apple store, or just check out the link to it on our website at RadioGalveston.com. Hopefully we'll uh, see you around the island this weekend, enjoying our beautiful weather up and down the seawall. Come say hey at RadioGalveston.com. If nothing else, we'll be looking for you right here next time on the Galveston Experience Podcast.